let us turn to the first Corinthians chapter 9 and the last three verses. Last week I promised that we will have two sermons from this chapter and I am going to take a break. I am not going to go away for five months but I will be here in town. I will be in the church next Sunday but somebody else will preach. It is good that we should also hear from others as well. So this is the and I will continue after that to chapter 10 later on. Now we have seen from chapter 8 and chapter 9 over the last three Sundays you know, how to control ourselves, our behavior, our tastes, our rights so that we glorify God. That was what we were looking at. But that is what the Lord was speaking to us from the scripture. You know, we have knowledge, quite a lot of spiritual knowledge. We know the history of worship. We know the history of Christian music. We have quite a lot of knowledge. We know about idolatry, what is wrong with that and all that. But knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. That is what we saw from chapter 8. That is, our knowledge should not stand in the way of the growth of others. The spiritual growth of others should not be impeded by our knowledge, our spiritual experience. We should tone down sometimes our spirituality for the sake of bringing or carrying the weaker ones along with us. And that's what God expects from us. And in chapter 9, we looked at the rights and duties. And now you should see that um, some of these sermons, all the sermons come on the, the, the video on our site and also it comes as a blog on the site. Yesterday I was encouraged when I was going to buy beef yesterday. There was a, a friend of mine, somebody attends other church. He came and said, I visited your church, uh, I visited a site because he visited our church site and he read the blogs on our site. And on the blog you will see the rights and the duties. We all have rights, but we also have duties to perform. Now, the, what the world says is that you know, we will claim, I want my rights, but we should perform our duties also, not only our rights. The Bible turns it all around, the, 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 the turns it around. It says, not only you cannot have your rights after your duties, that is what the world teaches. The world claims are conscious of only rights, but the world also teaches you can have your rights if you perform your responsibilities. But the Bible says, for the sake of your responsibilities, sometimes you will have to forfeit your rights. Rights are not, doesn't have any precedence over responsibility. So he says, I become you know, Jew, like a Jew for the sake of the Jews. For the Gentiles I become, and I am all things to all men. That's what we saw last Sunday. Now the last part of the sermon is about self-control very very important Christian virtue that we all need to have that is temperance or self-control now let me give you some context it all depends on how we look at Christian life Christian life sometimes you people have you know, there are two types of Christians who consider their life as static static is, static is you put them in one place and it is there Okay, and it doesn't move, it has no life, it is not dynamic, it doesn't grow, it is static, you do the same rituals again and again and again and again and again and again. 
you know, if I go through the, the, common, the, the book of common prayer, I can look at the ceiling and say it now, by now, because I've been saying it for so long. But unless that prayer does something to me, challenges me, make me grow, you know, critique me and criticize and say, you are wrong, you need to, now that Christianity is static. It doesn't grow. It has no progress in it. There is no life. The other is a Christian life of growth and progression. Now, Christian life of growth and progression is what we see in the Bible. It says, look at Ephesians chapter 14, 3. There's one image, one vision we see. Ephesians chapter 4, 13. Now, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a growth goal. We need to grow to a certain stature. Now we heard the story of little Aaron. He was born with a, some, some defects on his legs. But he is growing. He has to grow. He cannot be in that stage. And the doctors put him some, some, some sort of uh, treatment for him. And he is, he is growing. He is being healed. And now I am praying that this guy will... You know, that is what the Lord put me in my heart. He should be a sprinter for the glory of God. And one day he should say, I had a problem with my leg when I was born. Here is the photograph. But now I have won a race. You know, growing to that, there should be a goal in growing. The Christian life is, is a challenge to grow. It is not just to be born again. Just not to be healed. healed. It is just to be, receive some deliverance. It's, no, it is a challenge to grow. You need to grow. No, which is not with the Lilliputians, you know. People who are tiny people and they just want to be like that. No, we need to grow to the mature stature of Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing is that we are pilgrims. I'm just bringing two visions of Christian life. The other is we are people who are traveling. Now, we are journeying from one place to other until we reach a permanent home called eternity. We are, we are people who are moving, imagining our life as a movement. The first thing I said, to imagine Christian life as growing. And then second thing is envisioning Christian life as movement, movement from one place to other, one degree to other, until we reach what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has ended God, God's rest also rested from his work as God did from his rest. We are wanderers. God had put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which they lost because of their rebellion. Now we are wanderers. And but wanderers, God sent his son and told the wanderers, you don't have to wander around. My son is coming to show you the way home. And we, most of us sitting in this room, are people who found the guide to back to Eden. We are the people who have found the guide who will take us back to Eden. And we are on the way. We are following Jesus. We are on the way back home from where we wandered around. Now, imagining life like that, Christian life, that way we are getting back home and we have Jesus to guide us 
Now in this, see this is how I want you to hold on to these two visions of growing. Now how you grow, you know, and we grow to the maturity. We are not growing to old age, remember that. We are going to maturity. Now that, that means I am so, I get, grow old and become sick and you know, die. No, we are growing to a stature of maturity and that maturity is at, at our goal. What Christ is like, that is what we would be like as well. Now, coming to this passage, Paul uses a powerful metaphor. And in this growth process and in this pilgrim's journey, the two visions we have, how can we make this pilgrim's journey a successful journey? How can we make this growth to the stature of Jesus Christ a great growth, a, a meaningful growth? For that, Paul tells us his own secret, his personal secret. What is it? Let's read that verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Let me read it for you. Do you know do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it he's talking about christian life christian life is like a race and probably paul was in corinth when the isthmian games were happening now that was the the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek world, there were two famous games. One was the Olympics, in those the ancient Olympics, and the other was the Isthmian Games. And Paul, it, was, it happens every two years. So Paul was probably there, and he might have seen it. So he says, look, like we have this great marathon in Pune Marathon, when the rain is over, we'll have this great Pune Marathon. Like that marathon, now all run, but only one receives the prize. But what if two people finish together? I mean, at the same time, the two will receive the prize. But if what if 100 people dash the finishing line together? All of them will raise the prize, right? But the fun is, in Christian race, it is not the first who, it is not the first who get the prize. Who gets the prize? Everyone who finishes the game, the, the race, gets the price. It is not the first, second and third and it's not an elimination. It is including everyone, including everyone who participate in the, in the race but also complete it. Let's turn to some of these um, uh, images that we find. Paul looks at this thing in Philippians 3, chapter 12 to 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. There, Paul brings the same thing. He's looking at himself as an athlete. And he says that, Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I make press on to make it my own, because Christ has made his own. And what he was trying to say that in verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
you miss the action there when you read that verse now that's a action filled verse what a beautiful portrayal you know forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call for god in christ jesus have you ever seen sprinters runners at the at the at the beginning the start line what are they thinking you know they kneel down and waiting for the trigger what are these guys thinking at that starting line what are they thinking what is going through their mind have you been that that point now i'm not a good athlete or a sportsman that is two things that that is foreign to me but i like it but you know this guys kneel down you know with their hands and they're waiting for their they're listening for the trigger the sound the gunshot but what is going through their mind the lunch no the price the price they can think about all other things but not at that moment at that moment all that they should go through their mind should be the race the price if they miss that you know they have made the, the race will be over in maybe uh, one minute but that one minute if they do not give you know that 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 sort of a concentration of thought you know if they will miss if at that one minute if they are thinking about the other things in life they miss the, the they will miss the race they not even going to start so that's what paul says i know my whole life my whole life is i forget what lies behind it doesn't matter i strain forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus if i want you to visualize that now i'm i'm so surprised you now i'm just trying to understand the culture that we live in i have lectured on it and you know i stand i belong to a culture there are three generations now a generation of my father and my generation and the generation most of you belong to my children belong to now i belong to, i'm in the middle of these two three generations and i'm struggling to understand the generation the the generation that is the younger generation because you know there is so much who happening in this world there is so much happening in our mind and then what is the the time that we have for god is far less than a previous generation had we have redefined our values we have you know the the people don't talk nowadays you now people are finding it very difficult to make eye contact with others because we make contacts only through facebook nowadays you know we can only go through facebook we can only to go through an sms making a physical eye contact is becoming very difficult for a younger generation now because it's not your fault now iphone with two cameras may improve the situation i don't know but how many of us will be able to buy a iphone for 30000 dollars now it has cameras both sides so you can see yourself and uh, other person as well what i'm trying to say is that now we have i'm not blaming anyone what i'm saying says the world has far removed but now the race has to is still there now how do we have bring a such a intense focus on godly matters that is what i am concerned about in a world which demand our attention you know which divides our attention to various things fragments our attention how can we bring a 
concentrated focus deep focus on god and godly matters this is something that we need to really really struggle about now let me come to this again now at the finishing line when paul was at the finishing line of his ra race in second timothy chapter 4 verses 7 to 8 he says i have fought the good fight you know what's what he says i have finished the race i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but to all who lo have loved his appearance coming to a point in life when you are when you are about to die you know when you are say bye to this world the question is will we be able to say this i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith or will we say no i have lost all these things but i lo got lot of money a good job i have found lot i have seen lot of people who have lots of money i have seen our own relatives our own friends who have two acres of lawn imagine that two acre of lawn grass lawn nothing in it and the landscape company has a contract to keep the lawn tidy houses house with at least six or seven or eight bedrooms and all that uh, money can buy but still a downcast sad face why they realize at the end of their race that money didn't bring joy to their lives purpose to their lives but i have seen people who don't wear chap you know some of you may know that you know don't have chapels even may have a small cloth bag but very very happy people they don't they don't care about money they may have money also now i met a old man a few weeks maybe last i think last tuesday i went for a funeral an old man who has been always my role model a saintly man a godly man his wife is a doctor and he was a well educated person he chose a simple life his wife was a famous gynecologist in pune city now she was serving in a big hospital here before her retirement until she retired her his sons are they have cars her sons are well, well in good positions he has money but he lives as if he has no money he is not a miser but he is not conscious of the wealth that surrounds him and i asked him how will you get back home he has to go back to somewhere in pimbri and he said i will catch a bus and go he is old he is around 80 years old i said no uncle you are not going by this thing i am going in opposite direction and i arranged him to be taken in a car and dropped at his house he doesn't care he has car at home but he doesn't care because he is a man who has lived his life and the joy and the glory that on is on his face that i have seen on the face of people who have millions of dollars in the bank no i haven't seen that as well that glory that shines on his face i want, i hope one day he will be able to come to our church and preach you know that glory on that 80 year old man surrounded by wealth but not affected by wealth that's two things i'm not against <laughs> money i would like to have a lot of money but i will also pray that the money will not influence my lifestyle and my way of going it will not stand on my way 
I want everybody sitting here to be rich. I tell my children also, don't be a beggar in life. You know, earn in the just way, the right way, live dignified lives. I'm not saying that you should all be wearing chapels and uh, dhotis and uh, things like that. No, we should live as kings, the children of king. But children of king also, kings also have humility. You know, humility, modesty, temperance, simplicity, self-control. That's also important. Now, Paul, let's come to this vision of Paul. Now, Paul says in this chapter, he says, look, let me read it again. Run your Christian life that you may make it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. We have such a, glorified, a, a glorious reward waiting for us. So I do not run aimlessly. Where am I going? I don't know. I do not box as one beating the air. Have you seen spado, uh, shadow sparring, shadow boxing? You know, before, you know, before the real boxing, we have an exercise. You know, we do that boxing exercise, you know, give a shot and then all sort of leaning forward and all that. Before the, the, the real thing happens, you can buy a bag also for that purpose. That is called shadow sparring. Now, I'm not doing that. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Oh, this is a passage that many evangelicals think that is wrong. You know, because others are doing, we think it is wrong. What is it? I discipline my body and keep it under control. So they think that is spiritual. No, 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 no. The Bible also teaches that we should be in control of our body. The body should not be in control of us. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is it talking about? It is talking about self-control. The way to growth is self-control. What is self-control? Self-control is the ability to delay gratification for the sake of a goal. That's the best definition I can come up with. Self-control is delaying gratification. You know what I mean, gratification? I'll, I'll give you an example. For the sake of a goal. Now, let me give you an example. I am, suppose I am overweight. Suppose I am 85 kilo, kilograms. I weigh 85 kilograms. And my doctor says you have to bring it down to 75. You have to lose 10 kilograms. How can I lose 10 kilograms? I cannot just go to surgery and take off flesh from my body. I have to go through a strict discipline. And he says you have to drink green tea, three cups of green tea and you have to take this you have to cut down on your carbohydrates no meat for the next two years, you know, you have to what is self-control? I delay I obey that, I delay gratification I want to eat a lot of food, I eat a lot of sugar, I want to eat a lot of carbohydrates I want a lot of jalebi, but I say to the, for the sake of that goal of bringing my weight from 85 to 75, I am willing to do this and when we come to that sort of point, now translate, take this superimpose into Christian life. When we have a goal, what is the goal? I hardly pray every day. 
but for the sake of my growth for the sake of my christian pilgrimage from today onwards i am going to pray 10 minutes every day invariably i get up at 6 o'clock invariably at 7 o'clock 8 o'clock 8 to 10 is my prayer time nobody disturbs me at that time when we have that such a strong resolve that is what we call self control okay if you are casual about it i'll pray whenever i am comfortable now there may be a serial at that particular time when you want to pray it was not there so you chose a convenient time 8 to 8:15 in the evening now the channel decided to reschedule the, this thing now it is coming at 8 o'clock self control is to say no my the resolve stands there that is self control you know i control my body i control my desires for the sake of a goal for to which we are straining forward that's amazing now psychologists say that unless a person has self control they cannot be successful there is a study sometime back in 1960 they selected children who go to lower kg children who are just 4 and 5 years old and uh, there's an experiment and they said now look uh, the 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 person who is conducting the experiment said you can all have one chocolate right now one chocolate is each all of you can have but if you those who wait till i go and come back i'm going to do something in the office and come back if you can wait then you can have two so decide now he said you can all of you can have if you want one chocolate now but if you wait for maybe 30 minutes until i go and come back from my office you can have two so most of the children chose they said okay we'll have it right now why wait so they most of the children took the chocolate their one chocolate right now they thought one now is better than two later but the other children four year old they said we'll have two until he will wait they waited 5 minutes he didn't come 10 minutes they didn't come 15 minutes he didn't come 20 minutes he didn't come you know but then they were they were so tempted to take that one and go but they closed their eyes they tried to sleep you now some of these children they tried to sleep and they looked away somewhere else away from the chocolate when they look at the chocolate they wanted to take the one and go this no will wait for two a few children they waited till the man came back the the scientist came back and they got four and the scientists followed their life for maybe another 20 years or 15 years until they became adults and they found that the children who at age of 4 waited controlled themselves they became successful people managers and great executives in their life the ones who just took one and walked away and said that's enough with the experiment i will have one now then wait for two they actually did not make it in life that's about christian life as well if we don't discipline ourselves now we'll never make it in life self discipline self control is very very important i said rules are not important but i also say rules are important for life we have to have rules we should know when we are going to pray we should know when we are going to get up we should know when we are going to read the bible we should know when we are going to visit people we should know why we should 
share our the gospel with others we have to have rules in our life to bring order though i have said rules are not important in worship certain rules which inhibit freedom in the spirit has to go but rules that bring order to life make our life successful has to be in there in its place now let me ask you this question it's very difficult it's very difficult i thank god for the christian bringing up i had many of you didn't have that privilege i know because you are first time christians first generation christians now for us there were a lot of rules in place one difficulty was that my father changed the rules <laughs> very often that's one of the difficulty now he would say you can have dinner only after the family prayer so we had to wait for the family prayer to be over then only the dinner is served saturday after 4 o'clock no homework nothing 4 o'clock the sabbath begins until we had our sunday school and other things after 4 o'clock on sunday so the 24 hours for god nothing so you iron your clothes you have your bath and you get ready for the sunday morning worship that's it from that day saturday around 4 o'clock sabbath begins no homework nothing no games no play nothing you do it before 4 o'clock that was when i was growing up that was a rule in my family and that brought discipline 5 o'clock everybody up even a 4 year old little baby has to be taken to the room where we we prayed 5 o'clock is the prayer time and we pray together discipline bring order not only and order brings growth and that order brings our journey towards back to eden happy we'll make it you can't drive any side anywhere in the road there are people who do that i know that but that is why our our roads are in a mess spiritual life is a mess we have to grow let me say this word we have to grow intentionally that's very important growing intentionally you will grow anyway now i am a gardener you know that you know tomorrow today you will have some opportunity to see how i bring up parent, uh, plants you can sow seed and forget it it will grow anything will grow you can just throw but you have to take care of your plants you have to cut them prune them repot them manu- uh, put manure you get to shape the plants that is growing intentionally the other is natural growth all of us will grow spiritually but we need to grow intentionally for that self control that is bringing some rules some systems into our life and making growth intentional i want to grow now i'm going to challenge you the challenge today is this i want all of you to get, i'm going to give you a piece of paper and i hope you have a pencil or pen to write and i'm going to ask you just spend a minute in prayer ask god what should be my spiritual goal for next 3 months so maybe you will say i will fast once in a week i will study the scripture every day or whichever way you can your schedule fits or i will spend at least 15 minutes 10 minutes 5 minutes 1 hour 2 hour 4 hour whatever way you want to be i mean don't put too big a challenges which you cannot achieve so don't set goals it's such a unrealistic goals realistic goals and i'm going to pass this paper around i want you to write and say next 3 months my spiritual goal is whatever it is to pray not don't write very um, what do you call say 
uh, I mean, well, let it be very clear, ambiguously, but let's be take it clear. I want to pray 10 minutes or 15 minutes. If that is fine, that is fine. I mean, that's all right. 15 minutes is okay. 10 minutes is okay. 5 minutes is okay. As long as you can keep that 5 minutes. Okay? But if you want to say, once in a week I'm going to fast and pray for the church, for the lost, for the least, the poor. You know? We are a church who are trying to minister to the lost and the least. Remember that. The poor is always our concern and we are not doing much because we don't have the resources to. But we encourage people to do it. And we want to do it one day. And we say, I'm going to pray for the poor. I'm going to pray for the lost, spiritually lost. I'm going to pray for this at least five minutes a day. Fast once in a week. Read one chapter of the Bible every day. Something like that. You can set spiritual goals. And you write it and you keep it in your Bible. Don't show anyone. I'm not going to ask anyone what you wrote. But it is our spiritual goal. I'm going to write as well. I'm also going to set goals for me. And at the end of the, end of the three months, we will think up again. We'll preach from the word and see how the Lord speaks to us. And if you failed, we try again. We try again. And we try again and again until we get it right. Am I right? Let's put goals. Let us not look at Christianity as go like going to a garage. Taking a car to a garage. When we need some fixing, we go. No, this is a place we need to grow. Yes.